Isn't it nice when you're a parent and the kids return the love? Makes you feel so special. Of course, then there's the moments I'm just going, like, why are you bothering me? You know, maybe that's more accurate than not, but that's okay. Well, I am thrilled, excited. I'm going to say it one more time. For now, that's your here. I'm so glad that you're here this morning, and I'm, th- I'm excited that we get to read the Word together, because if we were just here um, reading the Word by ourselves or whatever, that would be okay, that would be good, but there's something special about gathering together, uh, learning this thing in community, working through some of this stuff as one body, and I'm thrilled that you get to be a part of that. There's nowhere else that I'd rather be. Nowhere else in this moment I'd rather be than celebrating Jesus with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. How many here are miserable? <laughs> uh, sure. Who here do you think is me? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a fair question because there are times where we don't feel very good. And there are times where we just plain out feel bad and we can just plain out be miserable. Now, sometimes it can be attributed to waking up on the wrong side of the bed. There's nothing worse than having a bad pillow and a bad night's sleep and you wake up tired and grumpy. Uh, That can be prevented by two things. One, going to bed at a reasonable hour and two, investing in a good mattress and pillow, which we did this week. And this morning I had a fantastic sleep. I did not wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I got to wake up on my side. It didn't get hogged. I had blankets when I woke up this morning. Morning, which I actually usually we'd usually do. My wife and I are a very good pair. Uh, we just it just goes well. Like very rarely does she take over the bed. Only when she was pregnant did that really happen. And I guess she could get a pass for that. But anyway, she didn't come to hear me talk about my relationship with my wife, especially not there. Anyways. And we didn't come to talk about being miserable, or maybe we did, because the reality is, whether it's from an outside cause or from an inside cause, there are moments in our lives where we can simply just feel miserable, we can feel grumpy, we can complain, all of these things. And if you've been here uh, the last week, you know where we're going with this this morning. So if we could turn to Galatians 2, verse 20, I would appreciate that this morning. But the reality is, is that sometimes we find ourselves miserable. And I would say the most miserable time that I am is when I do something wrong and I begin to feel the guilt and the conviction about something that I have done wrong or something that I said I would do that I didn't do. And all of a sudden that sinking feeling, especially when you forget something, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh no. And it's just like your mouth starts to move in slow motion and your jaw just hangs open. I can't believe I forgot that instantly you start to feel that misery, especially when it's something important. And I've had my fair share of oh no moments myself. If you're at Galatians 2.20, say there. All right, so like three of you. So if you're there, the first one who put up, put up their hand, go for it. No one put up their hand. Who would like to read this this morning? Galatians 2.20. Just the one verse. Making it easy today. Okay. 
who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. My misery, my disheartenedness, whatever you want to call it, my bad day has been crucified with Christ so that it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The spirit produces in us what the law never could. I shared that last week as we go through this series about the fruit of the spirit. I shared my, one of my favorite verses, 1 John 1, 9, when we confess our sins to him, to God, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from what? All wickedness, or some translations say unrighteousness. He takes all of that stuff and he takes it all away. He wraps that up in a nice little bow and it says he takes it as far as the east is from the west. I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. I'm no longer the person who I once was. I'm now someone new. And so if I am someone new, with the rules that were put in place, they cannot make me new. Only the spirit of God working in me can make me a new creation. And so those who are saved by faith will find this faith working in themselves to produce good things, to produce Lives that are marked by the love of God and love of one another. This is an amazing story. This is why we exist. We exist because God loves us and he says, I want you to be a part of my family. And as a church, we exist because we no longer live as our old selves. How many are glad you're not the same person you were yesterday or years ago? How many are looking forward to the day when you're no longer the person you are today? How many are not ready to make that decision? Because that is sometimes where we sit. We get so far in the journey, we go, ah, God, you're pressing that button, but I really don't want to move. You know, there's moments in my style. I had a t-shirt in high school. Uh, and and the, it was in our youth group. And some of the girls got all the boys' t-shirts. And some of them were very much... T- placed with the person's personality. And so my one friend who's always just joking around, his shirt said, I'm naked under here. Just that was who he was. And it was the perfect fit for who he was. Something he would have said. Uh, you know, and so on. There was a couple others. Do you know what mine said? Mine said, I'm not stubborn. I'm just always right. I'm not stubborn. And it was perfectly fitting. There are moments where God says, I need you to go here. I want you to do this. Or this isn't quite working out. We need to change this a little bit. And my stubbornness kicks up and says, why? What's the big deal? I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? And then there's so many things wrong with that statement. I am doing pretty good. I am okay. It's all about me at that point. But I made a decision. We sang it on our song this morning. I will build my life upon the love because it's a firm foundation. The life that I live is no longer my own, for I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but who lives within me? Christ. And if Christ lives within me, there are things that should be produced in our lives that reflect the truth of this statement. The fruit of the Spirit. We started talking about the fruit and the seed being planted through Abraham long ago last week, and it's an amazing story, an amazing promise of God that is coming to life every time we choose to let God work and live within us. Every time you decide to let God do a work in your life, it's a fulfillment of that promise, but it also means you're part of the greatest story ever told. 
You're part of the greatest story ever told. The spirit produces in a Christian what the law never could. We can put rule in after rule in after rule in to put in place. We can change our behaviors. We can change the outside appearance, but we need the spirit of God to change the heart from the inside out. Uh, there's nothing worse, you know, for, for example, um, I had, a, I had a problem with my vehicle a few weeks ago, a frustrating warranty issue. And so on the outside, my van looked pretty good. You know, it wasn't that dirty. It had snowed, all the nice fresh snow, wiped all the salt off of it for the most part. It was sort of shining nice in the sun. It looked really good. But as soon as you went to go turn the steering wheel, it was like driving a car from the 1920s when it had no power steering because the power steering hose had broken. But on the outside, everything that happened to you recently... Yep. So, you know, on the outside, everything looks pretty good. You get in the inside of the van, everything, aside from all the kids, blah, everywhere. It's, it's, it's everything. There's like, there's cheese from the Lunchables. There's, anyway, aside, it doesn't look that good. But if you sit in the driver's seat, it looks slightly better. But it looks like it should work until you turn it on and you start to drive and you try to turn the steam well. It doesn't work. It doesn't work properly if the inside isn't working. Same thing. We can change our behaviors on the outside, but the outside doesn't change the heart. Now, I will say this. We can put in processes and systems in place like, I'm going to read my Bible at 6.30 a.m. every morning. Now, does that make you a better person? Well, eventually over time, if your heart's in the right place. But doing that doesn't save you. Doing that doesn't make you better. It's the heart behind doing that. I do it because I want to grow in my faith. I do that. I set that boundary in place because I want Jesus to become alive in me. It's not about the rules. Paul suggests to us in Galatians that a person heart changes on the inside. And when that change takes place on the inside, we see the effects of that change take place on the outside. Like if I already eat potato chips every day, a full bag, and I already eat pizza every day, you would certainly see the effects of that on the outside. Some of you already do. Not for yourselves, for me. If you eat all of the leftover hot dogs from hot dog lunch every week, you will begin to see the effects on the outside. And it's not pretty. Same goes with our spiritual life. What you start to put in will reflect on what comes out. You want to see a better Christian? You want, to see, you want to be a better person? Let God do work on the inside. Let him push the buttons that you don't want pushed. It sucks sometimes, but it's necessary and it's worth it. It takes you out of your misery and brings you to a place of joy. It takes you from your place of hate and brings you to a place of love. It takes your bitterness and it changes it into forgiveness. Because sometimes we just want to feel bitter. We want to feel hurt because then we feel like a victim and we feel like that person owes us. But when we start to let go and we start to love, we begin to experience a freedom that cannot come from any other place. And that freedom is, is such a sweet, sweet, sweet freedom. Would someone like to read Galatians 5 this morning, verse 22 and 23? I like hearing your voices, so you don't always have to listen to my voice, even if I have the microphone and you don't. But Galatians 5, 22 to 23, would somebody like to read that this morning? I know you're still turning. I should have told you to turn there earlier.
Thank you, Sandra. I appreciate that. Against such there is no law. Where the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Says, if we walk by the Spirit, and earlier in the passage, verse 15, or sorry, 16 to 18 says, if we walk by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The wickedness that Christ has cleansed us from will no longer have a control over us so that we won't do what feels right, what feels natural. How many make decisions based on their feelings? We often do. I, I just, I got a good feeling about this one. My heart, oh, listen to your heart. Beyond the thud, 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 thud. I don't think a heart sounds like that, but if it sounds like that, go talk to Greg. Um, but listen, listen to, what does your heart tell you? The heart can be deceived. It depends what you put in there. Depends what you put in there. If you want to be released from the wickedness that Christ has already cleansed you from, we don't make decisions based on our feelings. We don't make decisions based on what our heart tells us. We make our decisions based on the lenses that we put on our eyes. And if we put on the lens of God, if that's possible, what is pleasing to God? What makes him happy in his sight? What pleases him in his eyes and not my own? We begin to see the spirit come alive in us. For if we walk by the spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We sort of talked about this a little bit last week. We said we can isolate ourselves from cultural influences. We can, we can live in a, in a, we can be like a monk and we can go live away in the desert. And yet we will still find ourselves struggling with sin because it's something that we are born with. It's something that comes up from within inside of us. It's, it's not just the cultural influence on the outside, but it's the sin on the inside. It's the cultural influence that brings the temptation that always brings to life the sin that already exists within us. But when we confess that sin, when we confess our troubles, when we give that temptation to Jesus, he will forgive us and he will cleanse us and he will remove that wickedness from us. Isn't that a really good story? Doesn't that excite you that I don't have to deal with the struggles of my flesh if I live by the Spirit? If I live by the way, if I come alive and let the spirit come alive in me, I don't have to struggle with the same things that I've struggled with time and time and time again. I think that's pretty good news. It's not whatever feels good, do it. Does it produce love? Does it produce joy? Does it produce patience, a peace? Does it produce patience? Or does it produce something different? If it's something different, you need to ask the Lord to examine your heart a little bit more and you need to ask him to cleanse and create in you a clean heart. Ephesians 5, 8 to 11. I'll read this one. It says, for you were once darkness, but now you are in the light, the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Rather expose them. If you lost your wedding ring like I did, I still haven't found it. If you find it in the parking lot this spring, let me know, or any ring, there's a date inscribed on the inside of my anniversary, which is July 16th, 2010. So I know of my anniversary. I don't need the ring to tell me. But if you find it, please let me know. But 
but say for a minute you're, you're getting up in the morning, the room is dark, the, blind, the blinds are closed, the light hasn't been turned on, and, and the, your ring slips off, or you put it on your side table and you knock it off. What's the best way to find that ring in that moment? To search in the darkness or to flip on the light? Switch on the light. If you have a problem, if you have an issue, if you have a struggle that you are dealing with, put it into the light. Give it to Father God. Confess your sin and he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from what? Wickedness. Cleanse us from unrighteousness. If you continue to struggle, it's okay to struggle. You're human. I'm human. We get it. Go to somebody else. Expose it to the light so that you can live a life free from the guilt, the shame, and the misery. God is faithful. You don't need to be afraid of the st- to share the struggles that you have with your flesh. It's okay to share them with one another. The battle is hard. It's a war. Wars are not won by one person. Has anyone ever seen a war happen and one person took on the whole army and won the war? Maybe they won a battle. Just David. But who did David have? Really? Rambo. Yeah. Yeah, it's not fiction. This is real life. But who did David really have? He had the strength of God, power of the Holy Spirit. That's good. Thank you for that, Alex. I appreciate that. But it's a battle. It's a war that can't be won alone. It's why God calls us together in community. He brought us together for such a time as this. I love this. I almost didn't want to start church on time this morning. And we, even then I delayed it. I pushed it back another minute or two because there was just so much good community happening in the con- I was listening to your conversations as I walked by this, this morning coming up to the front to get started. And it was so encouraging. Some of you were talking about the missions trip and some, some activities and some of you just sharing real life. That's such a good thing. We need more of that because this battle is not won alone. We need the Holy Spirit because this battle isn't against flesh and blood. Expose the darkness to the light and you will, not be able to dis- you will not be able to satisfy the desires of the flesh, but rather celebrate the life of the Spirit. When you begin to take, this, take up this process and begin to do that, if you're a thief and you want to stop stealing, but you can't help it, what's the best thing you should do? Tell someone about it. Because as soon as you tell someone about it, you're now accountable to that person. In fact, you can take a real, a real step of boldness and turn yourself in. Then you're really accountable. And sometimes we need to be completely separated. I said isolation isn't our salvation. But sometimes we need to take ourselves out of a situation. We need to leave a, a community. We need to leave a group. We need, just need to remove ourselves from that influence for a little while, which is why we send people to jail and we try to rehabilitate them. We can talk about that system another time. But if you have a struggle, what's the best thing to do? If you're a thief and you want to stop stealing, tell someone about it. And then when you have the urge to steal, tell them, call that person up and say, hey, I'm having a, having a, a moment. Jesus, in, a, in his prayer, he says, Father, deliver us from temptation. You know, my, my, my encouragement, what it was shared to me and what I sh- often share with others is, is, is don't make your prayer sound like this. God, help me not to do X, Y, Z. It's God, help me, to, help me with my temptation. End of sentence. Because the moment you say what it is, it's in your mind. And what are you thinking about? God, help me not to steal. God, help me not to steal. And you stop your prayer and you go into your day and 
Steel, steel, steel. Steel's in my head now. God, help me with my temptation. Expose the darkness to light. You know, when Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden, what did they do? They didn't run to God. They, they ran away. They ran and they hid and they hid themselves. They covered themselves up. And, and God came to the garden and he said, where are you? Where are you? He, didn't, he knew where they were and they poked their head out and said, well, here we, here we are. We, we, felt, we felt naked. And he says, well, who told you you were naked? You know, God never points out your weaknesses. God never is going to, to point and laugh and, and shame you and make you feel the guilt. You'll feel the conviction, but he's never going to condemn you. And in that moment of his brokenness, you just imagine if you've ever been disappointed by a child in your life, you would be able to somewhat maybe begin to understand how God felt, but probably still not. Here he is, this creation that he made was very good. He loved them dearly, and what did they do? They, they, they disobeyed, they turned their back on him. And instead of throwing it in their face and said, well, you know, the wages of sin is death, so here you go, done. No, he, he called out to them in his gentle voice, and he said, look, I will make a way. I will make a way. I will send a savior. I will send someone to help you because I want you to overcome the power of darkness. I will overcome the power of darkness for you. I will take the punishment for your sin. And he took away the hold of sin and he took away the power of the shame. And so there is no shame. There is no fear exposing ourselves to the light because God has taken that punishment from us. He has taken away the fear of death. And the word says, oh, death, where is your sting? It's gone. It doesn't stand a chance in the power of God's love. There's a reason we sing, we taught that song. It's a reason we sing it again, is to help remember that my fear doesn't stand a chance. My fear of death, my fear of shame, my fear of fill in the blank doesn't stand a chance when I stand in the love of God. The fruit tells us that God is far more concerned with who we are than what we are. It's not about being a cookie cutter Christian. It's not about filling in a box or filling in a blank. It's more about becoming who God wants us to become. And the fruit, as we see, it works together, not just as many different fruits, but as one. And this it's quite fitting that love is the first one because I think if you can nail down the love aspect, if you can learn how to, one, receive love, if you learn how to love yourself because God loves you, you can learn how to love God and you can learn how to love others. I believe everything else in this list follows quite, quite easily, sometimes in a pattern, sometimes without but they're all one fruit. We can't just pick and choose. Sometimes we get one step at a time, like a check mark off a list. Uh, maybe I'm really good at the love thing. Maybe I'm really good at the peace thing. I'm really good at the joy thing. But when it comes to the patience thing, that's going to be my favorite message because we're going to test everyone's patience. Um, but when it gets to that one, man, I just, that one's tough. Or maybe when it gets to uh, the gentleness, I'm just not a gentle person, okay? And I'm just, that's just not who I am. Uh, exactly, that's why we need the spirit. Um, you know, I have a problem with self-control. That's why we need the spirit. We can't have one without the other. All right, let's jump into joy because um, 
Like the old Sunday school song says, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my... Where? Down in my... Where? Some of you can get it now. I've got the... Uh. You guys aren't looking. You guys are paying attention. <laughs> I was wondering who was going to sing the rest of it, and Rebecca got it. I've got the joy. Um... Last, last week we talked about love, and, and like the song says, what the world needs is love, sweet, love. Uh, love, generosity, kindly concern, devotedness. The kind of love we talked about was the agape type of love, just a genuine concern and devotedness to God, to ourselves, to one another. And believe it or not, a little bit of love goes a long way. Uh, today we're going to jump into joy. Uh, and I intentionally wrote jump into joy because I thought it sounded good with the J's. But jump into joy because if there is love, if love exists, then certainly there must be joy to follow. And, and again, you come parent and son or parent-daughter relationship. Uh, when, when a child sees the parent and the parent receives that child in love, there is joy on the child's face. I experienced it about 10 minutes ago standing at the back with my own son. He saw me there and he saw me. He smiled at me and there was joy. Now there's moments where I don't smile back at him. And there's moments where daddy's got to go and I'm leaving because I'm whatever's going on. And there's not a lot of joy in his face in that moment. But where there is love, there certainly must be joy. Now joy in the original language of Greek means chara. Can you say chara? Chara, not charred, but chara, C-H-A-R-A. Uh, and it means simply this. It means joy, gladness, rejoicing. Uh, chara, also known as the cause of joy and the act of rejoicing, also known as bliss, the word bliss. I never liked the word bliss. I thought it sounded weird. It's just weird to say I don't like it, but it makes sense in regards to joy. Let me give you some biblical examples where we find this word joy. Matthew 2 10. The wise men, they, when they caught sight of the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Great chara. Great translated megas. Megas joy. Mega joy. Large quantities of joy. They found hope. They had joy. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had bought, all that he had, and he bought the field. That would be pretty cool, actually, to have that happen. Matthew 28, 8. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with, you guessed it, joy. And they ran to tell the disciples. Luke 2.10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great for all people. John 15.11. I have told you this so that my may be in you and that your... Oh, come on. That your may be complete. 
There's a lot of, lot of things relating to joy. Have you, have you noticed that wherever Jesus seems to be or something happens in regard to Jesus, there's a lot of joy? It seems like everywhere he goes, someone experiences some sort of joy. Even the, the simple announcement that he is coming, a star in the sky, brought on great joy. Even just talking about Jesus brings great joy. Talking about the hope of Jesus brings great joy. Wherever he is, there seems to be a lot of gladness, joy, rejoicing, and bliss. Very truly, John 16, 20 to 24 says this. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when the baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into this world. So with you, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice. And no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not received for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be made complete. Notice here how the word joy is not defined by the word happiness. Well, that sucks, Pastor Gary. I was really hoping you're going to give me a good feel-good message about being happy. You asked if I was miserable, and I want to be happy. Joy does not necessarily equal happiness. You'll find thousands of books, thousands of podcasts, thousands of even sermons, I'm sure, uh, videos on YouTube or Netflix of, on the subject of how to be happy. Happy, happy, happy. If you follow Duck Dynasty, you know that the, the father's that's his thing, right? Happy, happy, happy. Jesus makes it very clear to us that wherever he is, there is joy. And we know that God is three in one, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So wherever any of them are, wherever the Holy Spirit is, Jesus exists, and there is joy. Father God, three in one, there is joy. There is bliss. Now, if you were to look up the definition of the word bliss, which I had to do because I don't like the sound of the word. It just makes you feel uncomfortable. It's like some people don't like the word dongle, like for like computer accessories. Some people don't like the word squishy or just squish. Um, what's another word that just makes you just kind of cringe? Moist. There's a big one. Moist. Moist. Speaking of moist. Now my mouth is nice and moist. Perfect. But it's just one of those words I don't like. It just makes you, ugh. ugh. I don't know why. But bliss, it's a state of spiritual blessedness. Remember, we don't walk in the flesh. We walk in the spirit. And so bliss is actually a state of spiritual blessedness. And according to the dictionary, according to the Apple Dictionary, which wherever they get their information from, they say that this type of spiritual blessing is not achieved until death or after death, as in the bliss of heaven. So sorry, you're in misery until you die. How does that sound? I'm going to go to church and no. Now, when we see that Jesus prays, let your kingdom come on earth as it is where? 
in heaven. What does that tell us? That bliss, maybe it's in a heavenly experience, a heavenly blessedness. Where can we experience that bliss? On what planet are we on? Are you sure? Some of you seem a little out there. And I love you because I'm one of them. Anyways. We know that heaven came down, Emmanuel, God with us. And if we have Jesus, we have him come, we have the Holy Spirit who is sent, we can have the spiritual state of blessedness here on this earth. Now, if you look up the continued definition of bliss, I'm, I, I kind of misled you a little bit. The first definition of it is perfect happiness. So you said, how come I'm not happy? Or, or you said, I couldn't be happy, Pastor Gary. You can be happy. Uh, and so does this mean that in our sorrow, in our pain, in our worry, in our doubt, we can experience joy of the Lord? Absolutely yes. And why are we saying this this morning? I'm saying, I'm saying it for a very important reason. When you look at your situation through the promises of God, the weight of your problems disappear. Are you sure about that, Pastor Gary? Yes. When you look at your situation through the promise of God, the weight of the problems disappear. Uh, what happens when you don't? Last week I talked about Abraham. He heard from God. He said, leave your father's house. Go to this land. I will make your descendants as much as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And I will create a blessed nation from you. Okay, God. Up he goes. 40 years, he doesn't hear from God again. In this time, he goes through many different trials. He gets to Egypt. He lies to the Pharaoh and says that his wife is his sister and so that they won't kill him and take his wife, all of these different stories. And the reality was is that Abraham was not supposed to go to Egypt to begin with because God didn't call him and tell him to go to Egypt. He told him to go to a different place. And even though there was a drought in the land, he decided not to trust God. He decided to trust his flesh, and he went to Egypt anyway. And it caused him problems. It caused him grief, and it caused him pain. Why am I telling you this? When we look at a situation through the promise of God, the weight of the problem disappears. No matter what hardship you face on this earth, when you begin to focus on the promise that God loves me, when you begin to focus on the fact that the plans that God has for my life are better than the plans that I have for my life, when I look at the fact that God's plans for my life are for me to prosper and not fail, the problems that are currently in front of me begin to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. It doesn't mean they go away. It doesn't mean there's a quick fix. But I know that my God is bigger than my sadness. My God is bigger than my grief. My God is bigger than my pain. My God is bigger than my suffering. Give these things to God. Be filled with the Spirit and hold on to the promise that heaven came down. Jesus healed when he walked on this earth. And he said to his disciples, he says, I will pour out my Spirit on you and you will do even greater things. I believe that God even heals today, physically, spiritually, emotionally. There is healing today because if he did it yesterday and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and I believe that heaven exists here on this earth now through the life of Christ or each and every one of us, I believe that we can move past our suffering, we can move past our pain. There will be no more tears and there will be no more sadness and there will be no more depression. And we live in this age where we have this tension of it still exists, but yet God is dealing with it. It still exists, but yet God is dealing with it. And there is a time coming, and it's a hope that we hold on to, that I'll either breathe my last breath on this earth, or Jesus will come again and take me home. And I will not have to suffer the wages of the sin and the curse anymore. 
there will be a time where there's no more suffering. You know, Wednesday this year, every year, Bell Canada does this Bell Let's Talk Day. An incredible opportunity to raise awareness of mental health across our nation. And every, every person that has a Bell cell phone that text, sends a text message, for every text message they send, they donate five cents to help combat mental health and mental illness and depression and, and all of these things. It's trying to create a positive change in our culture. And it's, and it's an amazing opportunity to be aware of the effects and the weight and burden and pain that people carry with them each and every day. And where there's hope, there is joy. Because where there's hope, there is love. And where there's love, there is joy. John 16, 20, I started with this verse. Very truly I tell you, you will weep and you will mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. When you look at your situation through the promise of God, the weight of the problem disappears. It doesn't make them go away, but it offers us hope. You know, we actually see this perfect joy illustrate very vividly in the early life of the church. Um, spiritually, there was a lot of joy. Physically, there was a lot of oppression. There was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. And yet somehow through all of that, they persevered because the work of the spirit is far greater than the works of the flesh. And so even in the physical suffering and persecution, I have joy in the Lord. You know, for example, relating to the book of Galatians in the, in the village of Galatia, Luke Whitney writes about Paul and Barnabas in the book of Acts chapter 13. He actually writes about Paul and Barnabas being driven out of the Galatian region and the disciples were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. They were rejected. You know, we all like to be liked. We all like to be accepted. These guys were totally just driven out, not having a good day. They could have left beaten. They could have left broken. They could have left brokenhearted and, and miserable. But it says they were filled with the Spirit and they were filled with joy. But why is this battle so intense? Why is it so hard to find joy in the morning? Why is it so hard to find joy in the suffering? It's the same reason it's hard for us to show love. It's the same reason it's hard for us to find peace. It's because the flesh and the spirit have competing agendas. There's always this tension with our flesh calling us back to our old selves and the spirit trying to come alive within us. Paul told us the Galatians, the flesh wants to make it so you don't do what you want. And even when we want to do good, there's times where like Paul in Romans 7, Paul says in Romans 7, he cries out and he says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from my dying body? And then he says this, thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. What a wicked, wretched man that I am. Who will rescue my dying body? And in his suffering, in his weakness, in his shame, in his conviction and guilt, he says, but thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. You know, I think one of the keys to experiencing joy is, is giving thanks. Is giving thanks in the middle of your suffering. Giving thanks in the middle of your pain. You know, it, it hurts a lot right now. It maybe maybe it's, it hurts really bad. Take a moment and give thanks to God. 
because a new day has dawned. We're new creations. The battle rages on, but Christ is already risen from the dead. He's already defeated the problems you have faith. You have substantial, significant, and observable victory over the flesh. You have substantial, significant, observable victory over the flesh. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. How do I live in joy? Remember this. We don't accomplish it by ourselves. We don't accomplish it on our own. This is a work of the Spirit who lives inside of us. So if you've never really given your life to Jesus or maybe you're just starting your walk with him, press on a little bit deeper. Surrender your whole heart to him. Because if you don't start there, the battle is impossible. You have no weapon. You have no weapon to fight the flesh. Surrender your life to Jesus. You need to give him access to every part of who you are for in him to change you and to change your circumstances. Give him access. It starts as a simple prayer, but it's experienced when you surrender your heart with your actions. You know, we say it with our mouth. We confess our sins to Jesus. We say that we need him. We say, I surrender. But how many know that it really matters when you put your money where your mouth is? when you actually put your feet to the ground, when you actually begin to make changes in your life, begin to make those changes, set up the boundaries, set up the processes in place so that you can find yourself in God's perfect love. Number two, spend time working on your areas of weakness. We don't always like this one. I'm not weak. I'm, I've been doing this for years. I'm, I'm good. If you think that, you're wrong. You, you know, your, your problem is pride. That's probably mine most of the time. You know, we might get our kids to behave, change their behavior. You know, we might be able to change or improve on the outside, but we never create Christ-likeness from the outside in. It starts from the inside out. Just like paying down debt, right? What, what, what's the best recommendation? Pay off the smallest loan first and, and work from there. Same thing. Work on your areas of weakness. Just, just pick the first one that you come to, the easiest one that you come to. Hey, look, I think I can... I think if I talk to so-and-so and spend some more time praying uh, during this time, I won't do that. Just one step at a time. It's not an overnight process. Just like David prayed, he said, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Number three, press on. Romans 6, 4, and 10. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses. Number 10 says, yet always rejoicing. We're poor, yet making many rich. We have nothing, and yet we possess everything. Life gets tough. Life gets hard. Press on. Press through the pain, the rejection, the grief, because we have a hope to hold on to. How do you live in joy? 1 Thessalonians says this, 6, 18 to 19. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always a.k.a. be full of joy. Pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. We press on because God commanded us to rejoice always. And number four, finally, look for joy in the right places. The spirit produces a life of satisfying joy while the flesh 
only leads to constant dissatisfaction. We probably don't need to go down this road too far this morning to know if you're looking for hope, you don't go into a dumpster. If you're looking for love, you don't go to a brothel. Look for joy in the right places. Take a few moments. Turn off the phone if you have to. Cancel. Just don't even cancel the cable subscription. Just go outside and cut the wire off. You'll lose your internet and your phone at the same time. Take the time and spend. I'm, just, I'm, I'm kidding, but do what you have to do. Right? Do what you have to do. Spend the time with Jesus. Spend some time in the word. Spend some time with your church family. Look for joy in the right places. Because the flesh will only lead to constant dissatisfaction. And instead of being made holy, set apart for God, we become separated from God. If you want to live a life of joy, give your life fully to Jesus. Spend time with him. Press on. Satisfy your spiritual hunger and not the desire of the flesh. It sounds that easy. <laughs> but that's why we have each other. Let's pray. You just do me a favor and close your eyes this morning. And as we pray, maybe you would just like to experience new life once again in Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need to take that first step or renew that commitment this morning to say, hey, I just, I want to commit today that I'm giving my life fully to Jesus. Because I want to experience the love and the joy and all that he has for me. If you would like to experience that this morning, I want to take, ask you to take a step of boldness and just raise your hand today. Would you give your life fully to Jesus? That's awesome. Heavenly Father, I think of those that are in this room this morning, Lord, who really just want to renew their commitment to serve you and to follow you, O oh God. I pray, Lord, that you would take this moment, Lord, this raised hand as a sign of a commitment to serve you, to honor you, but more importantly, God, to surrender, Lord, even the deepest, darkest parts of our lives, the parts that we feel ashamed of, the parts that, Lord, make us feel naked, the parts that make us feel alone. God, I pray that you would give us the strength through your Holy Spirit, that we would be overwhelmed with your love, we'd be overwhelmed with your kindness, that we'd be overwhelmed with your gentleness, that we'd be overwhelmed with your peace, O oh God, that we couldn't help but run to you, O oh Father. And Lord, as we pursue you, I pray, Lord, that our congregation, Lord, would begin to experience the joy of the Lord together. And Lord, as we experience the joy, Lord, as we interact with people, Lord, outside these four walls, they would see something different within us. They would see a joy, a smile on our face. Lord, we'd begin to tell them about your joy and show, oh God, how real you are. We pray that you would come alive in us, that we would not satisfy the desires of our flesh, but Lord, that we would do what is pleasing to you in your sight. God, we give you this time, we give you these moments, and Lord, we pray. We pray for those who are suffering today, for those who are in pain, for those who are in misery, for those who are going through a difficult time, physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, fill in the blank, oh God, we believe today that you will give us the strength to press on. You will give us that heavenly bliss here on this earth, here and now. Lord, that we would be able to overcome these battles before us. 
And Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to give thanks to you in all circumstances, that we would rejoice continually, pray continually, Lord, and continue to give you thanks in every season of our life. Because you are God. Holy Spirit, would you come alive inside of us? Lord, I thank you for every man, woman, and child in the building today. Lord, may your joy be known in this place. Lord, may we come and we celebrate because we have the joy of the Lord down deep in our hearts. I thank you in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.